It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Today's topic is probably going to be centered around the COVID situation with regards specifically to mRNA vaccines. Are you able to share a bit more detail about that? Yeah, so I think the issue around the mRNA vaccines actually, through my own research, is, um, is a symptom of our health crisis and system failure. I don't care what you think, I'm a just do me, and I want to hear you sing. I got superpowers, superpowers. Dr. Asim Malhotra, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero Podcast. Great to finally be here, Laban. Well, what a, an exciting time in history that we live, Doc. And you of all people are experiencing the excitement, if you could call it that at times. I had a, a slightly different take, a slightly different question I wanted to start off with. And before I get to that, I don't want to go through a big introduction about your credentials because you've already proven that many, many times. And I would encourage people to watch the Joe Rogan interview that just, just came out. I can't remember what episode it was. If you can, Doc, let us know. 1979. 1979. One of my favorite Smashing Pumpkin songs. And yeah. Go, it's three I'm hours. Fan as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, great song. Great tune. <laughs> three and a bit hours long. And it's the best three and a bit hours of your life that you will invest in educating yourself on the subject we're about to talk about today. Do the most important, I think, the best documentary you can know holds barred and exposing all of this commercial corruption, but also giving people solutions. Well, when it comes out, we'll be happy to come on. So, Sam, before I start, my, my first question for you is this Are you hopeful? for the future of mankind? I am, Laban, absolutely. I'm, I'm hopeful for the future of humanity um, because I think intrinsically, most people want to do the right thing. They want other people to flourish and prosper um, because we are all interconnected and uh, we don't live in cocoons. And uh, so therefore, you know, I think that rationalization as well as doing what is virtuous is going to help us move forward in the right direction. But I think the only thing is, unfortunately, because we're in a state of real chaos at the moment, it's going to take action. It's not going to happen passively. And it's going to take work from each and every one of us to make sure that we create a, a better future for, for us and for our kids. Look, I think it's a really great answer. And I'm glad you said that because I, I am incredibly optimistic despite a lot of the noise that's happening in the world right now. And this is exactly why we put this platform together to, to share some hope and positivity because one of the things that struck me in one of the conversations you had with Tucker Carlson, I think this might've been on with Joe Rogan as well. And, and Russell Brand was that 
when humans are operating from a place of fear, all rationality tends to go out the window. Is that, am I paraphrasing there? Yeah, that's absolutely true. So critical thinking uh, abilities get impeded when you're under a state of fear. You're going to, you know, um, survival mode, if you like. And also, depending on who is, you know, um, instigating that fear, you're also more vulnerable to being controlled by others. And those others may not have your best interests at heart. And that's a real issue. And certainly we've seen that throughout the pandemic. So what, what is this thing that you're talking about? What is on your heart as you come onto the show today? What is on my heart? Wow. Um, I think just to get people to try and reflect a little bit on their lives in terms of the way we're living. You know, I am a promoter and advocate for good health, uh, not just for others, but I try and, you know, be the change you want to see. I try and think about how I can optimize my mental and physical health and on the health issue, I think the definition that the WHO comes up with is very good, which is a state of complete mental and social well-being, not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. So if we start from that position and try and understand our own lives as individuals, of course, um, and try and figure out why are we not in a state of optimal mental and physical health. Some people believe that they may well be, and that's great, but I think a lot of us kind of feel there's something not quite right then my job, my issue is to educate people on to thinking a little bit more about that. And to also, uh, you know, that's my area of interest, my area of research, what I see patients around is to educate people on, the, on, those, on that issue as well. So today's topic is probably going to be centered around the COVID situation with regards specifically to mRNA vaccines. Are you able to share a bit more detail about that? Yeah, so I think the issue around the mRNA vaccines actually through my own research is, um, is a symptom of our health crisis and system failure. So what do I mean by that? Um, having been somebody that originally was had faith, certainly in the uh, rollout of the mRNA vaccines to high-risk people, um, under what I now know was a false belief that it was completely safe, have had to make a U-turn. Um, and have concluded through peer-reviewed research that the vaccine is uh, far from safe, is not effective, certainly not in a way that we would normally expect or hope for it for any pharmacological intervention, let alone vaccine, and therefore needs to be paused and it's causing, it's caused great harm and is continuing to cause harm. But when I look back on understanding how we got it wrong and why we got it wrong, then my previous history and experience in understanding system failures that ultimately give a bad deal to the patient are at the root of the problem. And what does that mean? It means that we have very powerful commercial interests that are influencing clinical decision-making and health policy. And those commercial interests are not interested in your health primarily at all. They're there to make money. And often when they make money, they lie. They deceive people for profit. And specifically, we can, in this instance, we're talking about big pharma. Um, you know, they have a legal obligation to produce profit for shareholders, not to give you the best treatment. And often, you know, they behave uh, as ent legal entities uh, in a psychopathic way. And that comes from forensic psychologist Dr. Robert Hare behind the international, um, you know, international criteria for psychopathy. So what does that mean? Callous and concern for the feelings of others, uh, incapacity to experience guilt, deceitfulness, lying and conning others for profit. And that's where we are. Um, and just to break things down for people in very simple terms, if you look at the benefits of the vaccine based upon UK government data now, certainly during the Omicron strain, the highest risk group of your 70, 
you know, best case scenario, because there are some caveats with what we call observational research, is that you have to vaccinate 2,500 people to prevent one person being hospitalized with severe COVID. And as you get younger, that number goes higher in terms of the benefits get less. Uh, 5,700 if you're 60, if you're age 30 years old, we're talking over 100,000 people need to be vaccinated to prevent one person being hospitalized with severe COVID. But patients weren't told that, you know, the information wasn't broken down in that way. And then when you look at the harms, they are significant and they are at least one in 800 based upon very high quality evidence of a serious adverse event, which basically means hospitalization, life-changing or a disability. And of course, for me as a cardiologist, one of my biggest concerns and what I'm seeing and, uh, is an increase in uh, coronary events, heart attacks and people dying from cardiac arrests. And it's through the roof. Um, and one estimate from an eminent professor of statistics and risk suggests that maybe half of all the excess deaths that are going on now throughout the world, certainly in the UK, he's estimated that, but you can apply that to other countries, is specifically because of the COVID vaccines. So we're talking about something that is an unprecedented horror. That's just not, you know, it's, it's not a small issue. It's a major issue. But as you started the show, Laban, but we should utilize this as an opportunity to do some good for the future and greater good. And that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, amen, brother. And, you know, one of the most fascinating experiences in my own journey was through my own major health adversity. I had an autoimmune disease that I was able to fix in about four days by cutting gluten and refined carbohydrates out of my diet. Um, dramatic improvements in mental health, dramatic weight loss, all the blood markers. I've been testing everything. CAC scores, everything. And so when this all came about, I was naturally very hesitant. And I remember sharing a um, one post on Instagram about an analogy around parachutes. And I received untold amounts of flack, right? Never said vaccine specifically, but I had people vehemently lash out and attack me and attack my person as a result of that. And I remember... This is long before I'd learn how to handle all the blows and a lot more of the, the negativity when you put yourself out there like that. It really negatively impacted me. Friendships, lifelong friendships, you know, evaporated overnight. And my, my, and I don't regret a thing, by the way, but I'm curious to know, how are you handling all of this right now? And what do you need help with? Yeah, thank you, Laban. So I think on that note, you know, it's... Um, the, having conversations, this is about having difficult conversations with people who are not necessarily fully enlightened or awake to other bits of evidence that would change their opinion. And I think we have to understand the psychology behind that. And of course, we mentioned fear already. The other one is certainly when it comes to vaccine harms is willful blindness, right? So this is a psychological concept where we're all capable of in different circumstances where human beings turn a blind eye to the truth or the facts in order to feel safe, reduce anxiety, avoid conflict, or protect even prestige and, and egos, right? We all have egos. Some of it even comes down to ego. I think it's important to have some empathy and compassion for those people who aren't, who are, say, not just in disagreement with us, but, you know, passionately or violently in, uh, uh, you know, averse to what somebody like yourself might be saying to the point where, you know, families have been split and friends have, you know, um, we've lost friendships over it. And I think to get into their shoes, a couple of things I would say when it comes to the vaccine, for example, is the indoctrination. And I've been there. I've been there momentarily, certainly on this, on this case. So I understand it. The indoctrination on vaccine safety is so, so, so deep. 
that even reasonable, educated, so-called intelligent people think they're being objective. And they also think they're doing something very good for, you know, we were sold on this idea that we were helping others by taking the vaccine. Very, you know, very profoundly sold on this idea. So if you accept all of that in someone's psyche, you can understand why they would think people like your, yourself or myself who are questioning it are either not good people or are not intelligent, right? But more the fact that there's a moral, there's a virtue signaling that's gone along with this as well. So you, I try and understand why are so-called normal, re, normally reasonable people behaving in this way? And it is, it is part of this psychological phenomenon that's got them to that place. So that means, well, okay, it's a challenge to have those conversations. So we have to think about how do we approach this in a, an empathetic way? And it means not fighting fire with fire. That means, to, and it's not easy to do, believe me, I've had phases and moments where I do feel um, quite upset and angry. I'd be honest with some of the uh, vitriolic attacks that have come my way. And many of us have been in this position. But actually hitting back with the same vitriol doesn't get us anywhere. And it just makes you more upset. So I see that as an opportunity to say, okay, well, listen, let me try and understand where they're coming from. Let me at least try and start and open up a conversation. And part of that is actually is by not reacting in an aggressive way, but actually being kind and compassionate and saying, listen, I'm sorry you feel this way. You know, there's a few things I just want you to think about. Um, and uh, I'm on the same journey as you. I want the truth. And I think if you start from that perspective, then people are a little bit more open. Certainly when I give my lectures and when I speak to people, um, I've definitely turned many, many people um, just from, you know, understanding that at the beginning. And I think partly one of the things that makes people more open, certainly in the vaccine issue, is the fact that I not only had it, but I also was supporting its use and tackling vaccine hesitancy for high risk people very early on in the pandemic on Good Morning Britain. So because I've come from that position, a lot of people, they're like, hold on a minute. Okay, let's at least listen to this guy. And when I walk them through the evidence, in most cases, they, they are completely turned, if not open-minded now to a new perspective. Um, so there is a way forward. It's not easy. And I've spent months as a deep dive trying to understand this, this, this issue uh, and what's dividing people. But as we go forward, um, Laban, again, you know, it's about... Um, trying to be the best version of ourselves as individuals and that means coming from a place of virtue and compassion right and that's and that's the part of the solution to this problem is is going back to the basics of what does it mean to lead, lead a good life and it means being courageous daring to be wise acting with honesty integrity seeking the truth and engaging in dialogue with everybody even if they have a different opinion to us i i, I... I really love that you said that, Doc, and, and uh, if, I, if I could share something ultra personal with you and with our audience, and I've shared this in other interviews, my wife and I have, have experienced the loss collectively of 18 consecutive miscarriages. Uh, three of those are ectopics, one of which nearly killed her in 2019. A year into our relationship, and we, we've been together nearly five years, she confided in me that growing up in Russia, she experienced systemic sexual abuse from a stepfather from 15 until she was 21, resulting in two pregnancies and two underground illegal abortions to hide it, one of which damaged her uterine wall. And when she, when she shared that with me, we knew that we needed to start this journey of healing. And what was so unbelievable, Doc, was that over the course of the next few years, she forgave the perpetrator. She forgave her biological father who abandoned her when she was four and she forgave her mother for not doing anything about it because her mother, to her credit, has 
totally flipped and, and lost her shit on this guy and there was police charges and stuff involved. But she subconsciously turned a blind eye. And this might sound shocking to people, but this is a very common situation. But the fact she was able to forgive the guy that did this and has a, had a direct impact on her not being able to fulfill the one dream that she has about being a mother humbles me every single time. And I think the lesson here for people is that the holding on to that, that burning rock of you know, anger is only going to damage us. And you've heard this analogy a million times before, but we must exercise empathy and, and do our best to lead by example. And I believe that you are the epitome of that and putting yourself in the gun under the microscope in the most magnificent way possible. And I'm known as the world's best courage coach, Doc, but I reckon you might be one of the most courageous people I know. So bravo and congratulations to you. No, thank you, mate. I appreciate that. I think we all, we all have it within us. And, uh, you know, that is a really profound, inspiring story uh, that you just told me about, about your wife. So, you know, all credit to her. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, anger and resentment only damages us. Um, but, but even from the suffering that she went through, the suffering, we all experience it. We're, you know, this is part of the, um, it's part of life. Suffering is inevitable. The question is, how do we react to it and how do we increase our resilience? And I think from suffering, you know, um, we need to see it as a, an opportunity for growth and learning um, because it, it's going to happen to us at some point, you know, whether we lose a, lo a loved one or whether it's a job or a relationship that fails or, or we get sick and ill. All of us are going to die eventually as well. So we have to be in a position to try and accept this as part of life and then to do our best. It's not easy, but to really dig deep and see it as an opportunity for learning and growth. And how can we use that suffering to help people around us as well and educate them? And of course, you can only do that if you have, you come from a position of empathy. One of the Greek Stoics, Seneca, talks about it always being worse in our heads than it is in reality. And one of the things that struck me when you were on Joe Rogan's interview was about all we need is six high-profile celebrities or well-known people to come out and, and speak up against this, and it will completely flip the script. Are you still on board with that idea? Does it need to be more or less? Yeah, listen, I gave that number as an arbitrary number, but I, I honestly think that would be um, game-changing instantly, uh, certainly around highlighting this issue that they could say, we are very concerned, we've listened to lots of doctors on the evidence of vaccine harms. They may have personal experiences or they know, may know people. And we call for a pause. Um, until this is investigated. And I think one of the reasons it hasn't happened is that people as individuals at the moment know they may get attacked and smeared and they feel afraid to do it on their own. So when these, and I know many celebrity figures have contacted me privately and told me to keep going and support what I'm doing genuinely, but they themselves are afraid to speak out. And they have huge following and they are, you know, some mega, mega celebrity figures in, in that, in that um, you know, uh, as part of those you know, those people that contact me, they're, they're big names. So, you know, I think if, and certainly I've been trying to do this, if, if they all came out simultaneously, if they all jumped together, then I think we would be, um, we'd be able to get this, you know, catastrophic public health horror um, resolved, you know, very, very quickly. So, you know, if any of them are listening to this, then just have a think, contact me. Um, we can get uh, several of you together and we can do something really, really strong and sort this situation out. In terms of next stages, Laban, I mean, one of the other things I think, I look for different mediums to educate and empower people. And one of them is uh, the power of documentaries. 
I co-produced a documentary a few years ago, uh, which which had an influence on health policy. It was called The Big Fat Fix. And, uh, it, you know, it, it was responsible for bringing out, you know, having a big impact on or influence on bringing about the sugary drinks tax in the UK and highlighting the issues about um, flawed science on, on uh, you know, low fat diets and that kind of thing. And, and it has had a, a, an impact over here, certainly the UK, um, Premier in Parliament. So I'm now about to do another one on this big issue here, which is around how the pharmaceutical industry have corrupted information when it comes to medical decision making but also offering solutions moving forward, as well as highlighting to people the power of lifestyle. You've already talked about it yourself and how it's, how it's helped you. So we bring it all together and it's called First Do No Farm. We're in the crowdfunding phase at the moment. We want it to be funded by the public for the public. And uh, you know, where um, people can visit the, the site, I, I know you're probably gonna hopefully play the, uh, play the audio trailer you know, of that. Joe Rogan said he'll promote it when it comes out as well, which is great news. That means it will have probably a big reach um, so first do no farm is a name and it's nofarmfilm.com. People can go to that. And I'm also actually just about to go to Australia as well. Um, unfortunately, uh, I know you're originally from, you've got some Australian roots, haven't you, Laban? But, um, unfortunately in, in Australia, all healthcare practitioners that didn't take the vaccine, unfortunately, um, depending on which state you're in, but most of them lost their jobs. So I'm going there on a public health sort of education tour to give lectures to doctors and to patients really about the structural failures and drivers of ill health. Uh, and of course, my own journey in relation to, um, you know, understanding the data better on the COVID vaccines as well. So uh, I'm heading there end of May and I'll be there for a few weeks to, you know, and several cities to do that as well, just to carry on this sort of international campaign for truth and transparency in medicine. Well, if you bump into Dr. Mark Hobart, you can give him a big kiss on the lips for me because that guy, <laughs> I don't know if you heard about him. His, his clinic was raided. He had this tiny little practice out in one of the poorest suburbs of Melbourne. And he was doing incredible things for this movement. And he has suffered immeasurably, but I, I believe justice will be served. He will be vindicated and will go down in, in Australian history as one of the the real good guys as you will uh, in the world doc so thank you for sharing that we will for the video we will include the full trailer at the conclusion of this interview share it with people that you care about the way that the algorithms work these days is by a lot of organic reach all right so you don't need to have the conversation with someone you can just send them this mother flipper right send it to them don't have to say anything don't have to respond to them and i can promise you it will land with the right people. Energetically, it will land with the right people. So share this far and wide and, and watch what happens when us as humanity collectively come together and join as one for the first time in a very long time and see the good that we can do in the world as well. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. So where can people find you? Uh, Laban, so I'm on social media. Uh, my Twitter handle's uh, Dr. Asim Malhotra. On Instagram, it's Lifestyle Medicine Doctor. Uh, and uh, I have a website called you know, doctorraceem.com. So people can find what I'm up to there. Um, I'm very active on social media. I've done a lot of work, obviously, through the mainstream media as an activist in the, in the past, but I'm pretty regular almost daily. I'm you know, posting once or twice a day stuff on there so people can see what I'm up to and, and read what I'm uh, advocating for. Yeah, if you can't find Dr. Asim Mahotra on the internet, you're not looking... You're not looking hard enough. <laughs> Doc, do you have any concluding thoughts for our 
the audience today? Yeah, just listen, we have to have hope for the future. I know people are in a very difficult situation right now all around the world and trying to make sense of what's going on. Um, I think we have to try and be hopeful uh, that situations can resolve itself. I know that people are aware there's a lot of corruption, unfortunately, right now in terms of government and what's happening. Um, I think believe and uh, and with the first, you know, I, there's always a few bad apples, but I think most of these people are just ignorant or have the illusion of knowledge. They're not deliberately malicious and trying to um, ruin people's lives, although you may feel like that that is the case um, quite often. And we have to, and I, I know a lot of these people, I've met them, I've talked to them. I think about the fact as well, in terms of your own understanding of COVID and the vaccine, that even families and friends have been split. Um, and those people, you know, deep down are not evil or bad people. Right. So I think we try and have to address this through dialogue and conversations. But again, we can't be passive. We have to fight for it. So, you know, one of the you know, one of the quotes I use quite often in my talks is a quote from um, Harvey Milk, which is rights are only won by those that make their voices heard. Hope is never silent. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Asim Malhotra. Our medical regulators have been captured. Big Pharma is more powerful, profitable, and prolific than any other time in human history. The numbers are so vast that we cannot quite comprehend the extent of the damage and what it all means. And that is why I'm co-producing my second feature-length documentary, First Do No Farm, to show the public exactly how our collective health has been bartered, bought, and sold for decades now. If you're wondering what we must do collectively and how we must respond individually in a world pruned of health and primed for profit, this is the movie with all the answers. We are currently in pre-production and with your support, we plan to start filming in the home of Big Pharma, the United States, during the summer months. This is a movie that would have been muzzled 12 months ago, but with Elon Musk behind Twitter, and Joe Rogan's endorsement, we are now in a position to step into a story that needs to be told. Please support us if you can, share if you agree, and keep an open mind if you're not willing to do either yet. Thank you. In 1986, Ronald Reagan made it easier for American pharma companies to make more money. And in 1992, George Bush allowed them to spend some of that to directly finance the FDA. By 1999, drug giant Merck had falsified their own research to usher a new arthritis drug onto the market. Vioxx would kill an estimated 55,000 Americans. But that was just for starters. In the last two decades, Big Pharma has been fined tens of billions of dollars, but the deception continues. When they are free to deceive, who can you believe? Please give a very warm welcome to Dr. Asim Mahatra. They pay fines that were minuscule in comparison to the profit that they made, and nobody got fired and the system just continues to do the same thing. Nothing has changed to stop them committing these crimes again. Top executives should be held personally accountable so that they would need to think of the risk of imprisonment when they consider performing or acquiescing these crimes. 
it's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.